Hi, and welcome back to Educators Let's Get Real. I'm Jen. And I'm Danielle. And we are here today talking about the happiness advantage. We want to go over our homework real quick that we left you guys with, which was how do you, um, who do you know in real life, a celebrity or fictional character that is unafraid of themselves? What do you admire about them and how can their way of being inspire you to more consistently be that way? Yeah, I joke sort of. Um, I have a really good friend and I feel like she is who I want to be when I grow up. And I've told her this before that sometimes, especially when I first started on this journey, I had to ask myself, what would this person do? Because that's how I wanted to live my life. That is how I wanted to like, I wanted to show up in the world the way she showed up in the world. And before I knew how Danielle would show up in the world... I needed someone else to be that person. And so, yeah, I have a really good friend. Mine is probably in person, mostly because my husband would tell you I can't watch a movie because I fall asleep um, as soon as we turn a movie on. (laughs) So I guess I can't tell you a a fictional person. But yeah, I have a lot of really, uh, really powerful people in my life who I think show up in really powerful ways that I want to show up more like more often. And I'm just not there yet. It's, yeah. You don't think you're there yet because you don't see yourself there yet. I think there's always room to grow, right? So I think there has been huge changes in my life in the last six years. Um, But I'm definitely not the person I want to be because I think that person is always changing and evolving. I love the person I am today, um, but I also know there's a better version of me Somewhere? Somewhere else. Going? I think mine has evolved from what I used to think I wanted to be and what I admired um, to what I like now. And I would say mine actually, and I'll go ahead and tell you one of them. (laughs) It it really is kind of funny. I don't know if you've seen Encanto. Um, My kids watched it. This past weekend, but I was not super paying attention. Now you're going to have to go pay attention because the lead character, she doesn't have a special gift. And if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. Um, But Spoiler alert. Right away, and you're going to see it right off the very beginning, she doesn't have a special gift, but she really does. And that's all I'm going to say, so that you have to go and watch it. But she's inspirational in her own way. Yeah. And I, I won't say any more because if you haven't watched Encanto, you need to go watch it. But my characters, would, whether I'm watching a movie or reading a book or leadership books I'm reading, really follow that same pathway. And it's more inspirational. And I'm finding myself from my leadership books more. Um, I, I do believe in data and we have it. But with where education is right now and with where the pandemic is and everything, I'm going more towards... Um, leading with heart and I've done a lot of research on that yeah leadership with heart whether you are an administrator a teacher leader a business world person doesn't matter but those that's where I'm going towards so that will kind of tell you where the canto was going yeah. towards and so I think I typically am drawn to people who are really gritty people mm-hmm. who can come from the depths of despair and and just basic crap in their life and overcome and never give up and push through that. I think those are the people that I'm drawn to. Like, dang, that took a lot of restraint or willpower or just pure effort. Um, And I can respect effort. 
Me too. Um, and so I think those typically are characters that I'm drawn to. C- characters who start out potentially as the underdog and fight their way to to the top. I love an underdog story. And I think maybe that is how I see my own world, right? Someone who started off kind of in the middle, kind of, never bad, but just kind of in the middle. There. and Mediocre, and, maybe. Uh, has worked really hard to get to where I am today. Um, I joke, or I don't even joke. It's very true for me. Uh, my life was ho-hum and not bad, not good. It was just there. And I didn't know life could be as good as my life is now. And I think that maybe is why I'm drawn to characters like that. They see potential in themselves. Um, even if they don't believe it right away, they see potential in themselves and are able to to kind of push themselves towards that change. And guys, when we talk about this, Danielle's further in the journey. But when you get there and when you're reading like The Happiness Advantage or different books about self-care and joy, I think your perspective does change. It is not easy. No. And when you talk about grit, when you're really learning who you are and you're really finding joy, there are times, whether it's moments or days or months or months where (laughs) where it feels like despair, it feels like nothing's going. And why would you be on this journey? And there is nothing joyful. And it's kind of like faking it till you make it. But it will work, and we have some ideas, some more ideas for yeah, you today, and I, which kind of leads us into... We're, we're going to get into this, and I, and I think one thing you have to keep in mind on the journey, and I say this all the time, and I recently presented to our staff about the Enneagram, and somebody had said to me, what does... You keep saying, I've done the work, I've done the work, I've done the work. Can you explain to me what that means? And I, I guess I never had put it into words um, when I say, I've done the work on myself. What does that mean? Well, that means I've read a lot, I've reflected a lot. I've made a lot of changes in my life. I've got really brutally honest with the parts of my life that I was unhappy with and took steps to change it. Um, and that takes a level of um, a level of honesty with yourself, mm-hmm. a level of brutality with yourself. And that's hard. Um, to be able to say, these are the parts of my life that I don't love and I am the cause of them and I am in charge of fixing them also. Um, and so when, when I say that, just to be crystal clear, that's what I mean when I say I've done the work. I've read enough. I've practiced enough. I've failed enough, to be really honest with you. I've showed up in the world not as the best version of myself enough to know how to show up as the best version of myself more often. And books like The Happiness Advantage are books that changed my life. And that is why I care so deeply about this. Um, because I know it has the potential and it has the potential not only to change your life, but I think about this book as far as um, how it impacts our, our students and how it impacts our Definitely. our school community. Um, and today we're talking about the second part of the happiness advantage. So this is all of the cha- the first principle, um, which is called the happiness advantage. And we started that last week, yes. part one. So but it's, it's such a long chapter. We wanted to break it up. Yeah, so through this season, we're going to take two weeks to talk about each principle because each principle has so much content to it that we want to make sure we give it adequate amount of time to to cover and kind of talk about together. And today, uh, today we're talking about priming the brain for happiness. And so principle one is all about the happiness advantage and our ability as human beings to be able to um, see the good in the world. Um, and so today we're talking about perf- 
uh, priming the brain. And priming the brain is this really interesting uh, scientific research study in positive psychology that is all about what happens um, when we start thinking about the good. We've talked about already how happiness is the first thing. Happiness is the precursor to success, the precursor to loving your life. Happiness is the first thing. Um, And so today, Sean talks about um, how we prime our brain for success. And we prime our brain, uh, when we can prime our brain for success, when we can recall um, our happiest moments in life. Um, and I'll let you talk about the doctor scenario. And I know you've got some other things, but. Well, I was looking at the Jello at lunch before the doctor scenario. Yeah, so, so <laughs> when he talks about kids, kids who have yeah. been primed um, to recall their happiest moment in their life. And as adults, it is easy for us to reflect on some really powerful moments in our lives. Days we got married, days we graduated from college, days we had our kids, things like that. Those are really positive examples. When you're thinking about my four-year-old, he says his pro- his most favorite moment was probably the jello he ate at lunch. The happiest moment of his life was probably three <laughs> hours ago when he got to eat something that, you know, something that right. made him happy. Um, but when we do that, um, it has been scientifically proven that children who have been primed for happiness outperform their peers yep. who are in a neutral state, not a, not a negative state, a neutral state. So when we think about we're coming into mid-year uh, state testing, um, all of the things kind of that are coming up mid-year here, um, thinking about just this one thing that you could add in the classroom. Um, or if you're a boss, can you do this with your with your staff, right? Or if you're in the business world, can you do this with the people you work with? You prime them to think of something as simple as the best moment of their life minutes before they give a big presentation, minutes before they get ready to take a state test. Um, and that typically will help them outperform their peers, mm-hmm. um, which is really crazy and fascinating to think about that that one action as a teacher could potentially powerfully impact. Um, it, it, it does. He, and he gives an example. He says, for instance, students who were told to think about the happiest day of their lives right before taking a standardized math test outperformed their peers. And the people who expressed more positive emotions when negotiating business deals also do more uh, efficiently and successfully than those who are more of a neutral or negative. Yeah. And something so simple, right? I think the first time I read this, I just thought, well, that is like the most simplest, simplistic idea. Can you just recall a happy event? You're feeling stressed. Can you think of something that made you happy? And we're going to get into this here in just a second, but what they found is that these positive emotions are actually the anecdote to physical stress and anxiety. Um, I know recently I've been talking to a lot of people who are struggling with anxiety. Their anxiety is at an all-time high. And I think the the power here is, is knowing that the anecdote is positivity. The anecdote to stress, the anecdote to anxiety is positivity. And we're going to talk about some different ways that he recommends uh, – kind of finding some positivity. Um, and you underlined a quote in there, and I, I wrote down the same thing, um, that happiness is oh yes a work ethic. It, it's And it's not something... You have to work at it. Yeah. You can't. And so sometimes that fake it till you make it, it's uh-huh. true. It's a work ethic. You can't just say, yeah, I'm going to be happy. Some days it's hard <laughs> to dig deep. 
Some days it's hard to look at those memories or try to find mm-hmm. something like, that's stupid, I'm not going to do it. Because you're in such a negative state, but it's a work ethic. Yeah, and, and I think that goes back to who am I drawn to as a human, and I am drawn to people who can power through those bad things. Mm-hmm. And I, if you've listened to season one, you would know that uh, I definitely didn't power through some negative emotions <laughs> early in season one um, at the beginning of the school year. And, and I think I'm in a much better place now. And I think some of that comes because I've purposefully put into place some of these things that he recommends as far as priming your brain for happiness and what that looks like. And he, he talks about it. He says, why does this work? And it says, because in addition to broadening our intellectual and creative capacities, positive emotions also provide a swift antidote to physical stress and anxiety, what psychologists call the undoing effect. Yeah. What undoes stress and anxiety is positivity. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I, I would be the first one to tell you this is all hokey, po- hocus pocus. This is baloney, for the lack of a better word that I can say on air. Um, but the truth is, you guys, it is actually ba- backed by science. It is actually backed by years of research. Positive psychology has come so far um, in the last decade or more that um, it actually physically rewires your brain. And and think about it. When you are having a bad day or something's really stressful as a, a teacher, a para, a principal, anywhere, anyone <laughs> in the school setting, and then all of a sudden a kid comes up and does you you see them do something funny or you hear them do something funny and all of a sudden you kind of chuckle and your mood's lighter or if you're at home yeah and you're stressed but then your kids or your animals do something that just catches you off guard which is funny and you laugh it it lightens your load yeah the, i mean there's the chemicals the chemical balance in your brain by physically laughing by physically smiling um, sets chemicals off in your body that that can physically make that change for you, um, which will lessen your stress, which will do all those things. And I get it. It feels hokey. It does. It feels, but it works. It feels unnatural, but it is such a powerful thing to do. Um, all right, let's talk about let's talk about some of the things that he suggests uh, as far as things that can improve uh, your mental state, your positivity line if you will. Um, and I know you do a ton of these and I have purposely spent time making sure I have some of these built into my life, which is why Mm. I think I've had such a big switch, um, from the beginning of the school year till now, because I purposely started implanting some of these things. Taking it back. Yeah. And I think what another thing before we get into that, that he talks about is that happiness doesn't necessarily go all day. It's momentary blips. Yeah. Sprinkles of pepper or salt. So you're like sprinkling happiness and it's finding that, and you have to find it. You have to be looking for it. Mm -hmm. If you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. But one of his principles that before I would have been like, whatever that he talks about. (laughs) And I'm like, I just don't get it. Meditation. Right. When people are like, what? No. But it's, (laughs) it's true. If you can, and I even kind of going off of Sean Inc. I read this study that there is called email apnea. And when you're reading your email, you stop breathing. And so meditation oh is a lot of breathing. And your brain needs 20% of the oxygen that you're breathing in. And if you're really like going deep into something, working really hard, it needs 50%. So if you're breathing really shallow, 
your brain is not getting enough oxygen to completely work. (laughs) And so they say, you know, one, two, five, five minutes is ideal if you can get five or more in. But it talks about, um, he talks about, you know, the monks. (laughs) Yeah. Now they've had years and years and years of it. But their prefrontal cortex is actually, which is part of your happiness, grows bigger through meditation. But you can do it in like five minutes a day. You don't have to do it all day. Yeah, and listen, meditation is one of those things. I remember telling a coworker at one point, um, I can't meditate. I can't sit still long enough. My brain can't focus long enough. I have a little bit of ADHD in my life. Um, a little, I can't, huh? can't. Yeah, a little. <laughs> Um, I can't, I can't meditate. I remember her saying that. And I remember her saying to me, well, we all can meditate. Your words are making it so you can't. Um, and then I come to learn that the reason I couldn't meditate was because my brain was a really scary place to be in that actually having to go into my brain and be stuck quietly with my thoughts for even five minutes was overwhelming to me. Now, further down the road has become an easier path for me. Um, But I typically will do better in a mindful walk or in a mindful, like physically doing something with my body. I have been able to get up to five minutes if you're just starting meditating. Um, Start at a minute. Start at a minute. A lot of your smart watches will do it for you. Yeah. And focus on your breathing. Just the box breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, um, uh, the number of people that come into my classroom and see me doing like five deep breaths with my students before we do anything is partially for them because partially I know this is how it helps them, but it's also partially for me. Um, when I start to see them, you know, increase in, you know, noise level or stress, or you can see it on their face, like we're covering content that's really hard. Um, taking that time to, to breathe and meditate just helps rid our body of some of that stress. Yeah. Um, so some of the other things he recommends um, is planning something to look forward to. Do you have something? Um, I'm coming off uh, a Vegas trip with my husband with no kids, which um, has been something that we have been looking forward to for, for many months since we found out we were able to go. So always having something uh, in the future will prime you for happiness, something fun that you're looking forward to. Guys, and I'm not just saying like the end of the school year. Like, okay, yeah, that might be your happy moment, but can you prime yourself for something else? Is it like going out on the weekend with a friend? Is it going to go get um, drinks or coffee or I don't know? Movie night with your kids. Is it You have to have something in the future that you are genuinely excited for, big or small. Now, this was a big trip for us, right? Like, it took a lot of coordinating and a lot of moving parts for us, um, but something to look forward to. Something, it can, it can be small. It can be. It could be it a can... date night with your spouse if you don't do that often. It could be a night out with girlfriends if you don't do that often. It can be, you know, a phone call with a friend or a, a FaceTime or a Zoom. Something um, that you can just latch on to because it's going to be such a good experience. Um, and I think that's always huge. I feel like I always have... Um, And maybe that was my problem early in the year. I didn't have anything to look forward to. Um, And now I feel like I have all of the things, right? I have all of the things. And sometimes, and you need to schedule it too. Yeah, oh, definitely. And we talked about that in the first season, but you have to pencil stuff in so that you don't, like, if you know you have a hair appointment or a massage, you might be like, eh, I'm not going to get there because this parent's talking or I have this to be done. But if it was a real doctor's appointment, you would tell the people, I have to go. 
And those are things that if you do for your self-care, some people do their nails, some pedicures, their nails done. I get massages because that helps with my stress level. I leave. I make sure it's, you know, after contract, I have plenty of time, but I'm not going to stay later. Yeah. And I think that goes with exercise, which is also one of his ideas. Um, And I put as much emphasis on my workouts as a date with myself that I will Mm -hmm. never give up. If you and I had a meeting time, I would never think to call and cancel on you because something else came up. And so when I schedule my workouts, it is with that same intensity, with that same commitment as if it was with someone else. Because I think it, and it was on, I don't want to say it's Beachbody, and I don't remember, is it the 21 day fix? I forget. Anyway, it's a, it's a trainer, it's a workout. Mm -hmm. And she goes, what if your number one priority was you and your health? Yeah. What would you do? And so I think that's kind of going back to what you're saying. You are your number one priority. And so you make that appointment to work out. So you will not. Yeah. I know that I am so important to myself that the only way I can show up here for this podcast, the only way I can show up for my kids, my husband, my my students, my team is to take care of me first. And so unapologetically, I will let that go first, or I will make sure that happens first. Okay, a few more things. Um, Conscious acts of kindness, and I love this more than random acts Mm -hmm. of kindness. I love this idea of consciously acting out of kindness. This could be a note. This could be a letter. Um, This is something I started doing early in December, um, where I just was trying to find one or two people a week to consciously do something kind for. And to think about it, I think boosts you too. Like when you're planning it and thinking it. And then you have to act, and then you have to do it. Yeah, and I think for me it was who needs it. I'm pretty mm-hmm. good at reading other people, right? So who yeah. needs a pick me up, and what can I do, and what will speak to that person? Um, because I think what speaks to everybody is a little bit different. And I think that goes right along with his other one, which is infuse positivity into your surroundings. Oh my gosh! So being aware of your surroundings, but like <laughs> he even says, okay, so making time to go outside on a nice day also delivers a huge advantage. Me. That's where you get recess duty. <laughs> Just kidding. Sort of. Kind of. But when it is nice outside, make that point to go outside. Sun yeah. does a lot for you. I love doing my yoga in the summer outside yeah. or meditating after I've done like a run or a walk outside side yeah. before it gets hot, too hot. Like, <laughs> But I like that. Or taking yeah. the dogs for the walk. But it... And another thing I do, which my mom makes fun of me, and I think she needs to do it though, is it says turn off, you know, your CNBC, your CNN, the news, anything that's like violent media or really depressing. You guys, if I could give you one piece of advice, Jen's mom, if you're listening to this, please turn (laughs) off the news. Mom and dad, my mom and dad also, please turn off the news. It's depressing. Um, It is depressing. It will prime you for negative thinking more than any other thing. The news sells on negativity and scare tactics. Just say no. You'll find out all the major stuff on your feed that you need. It's fine. Okay. Spend money on experiences. Um, Not stuff. Not just stuff. And I think this is is me personally. I would rather go do things um, and experience things with my family and my kids and all those things. Which might go actually hand in hand with something that you're looking forward to. So it might go together. Um, And then um, do something you're good at. Um, Something that is a strength for you and being able to... uh, to play to that strength. I think we all feel good when we do something good. And I think that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. So if you're a good cook, shout out to uh, our music teacher, Mr. Lamb. 
He's a very good cook. Oh, yeah. So that makes him feel good. So he cook needs more. to cook and, and bring it into school. And drop it off to Danielle's room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, we know we're running out of time, but it, it's something we really felt we wanted to talk to you guys about. And it, it's important. I'm going to let you say what it is because I can't pronounce, I can't say it right. Yeah, so this is the Lasada line. Lasada. Um, and <laughs> if you are a teacher, you work in education, you have heard this. And if you're like me, you probably cringed every time it got said. Um, but the Lasada line is the research that shows that people who receive three praises to one correction um, perform better and are primed to be happier. Uh, ideally, the ratio is six to one. So at a minimum three to one as um, at, at a, the most or more ideally would be what I'm trying to say, um, six to one. And, you know, we were talking, there is a difference. Um, the constant barrage of correction. Now, I do realize there are kids that we feel like need that correction all the time. It's just how you do it, how you go about it, because those kids who need that correction all the time. Also, also need really <laughs> need the positivity. And I think this is one of the biggest changes, I think, for me as a teacher is um, I'm a lot calmer of a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot uh, more enjoyable as a teacher to be around um, because this is part of how I run my classroom. Um, we, do so, we do correct behaviors, um, but we also spend a lot of time talking very specifically about what kids do well. And... I just did this with my own kid. Um, we've been practicing, you know, all the things at home. And it was, dude, look how, look how far you've come. Look how far you've come. You, you know, could read 130 sight words when we started doing this three weeks ago. And you're up to 170. Look at, like, that's incredible. Like, that's really great. I'm proud of you. Right? So being able to speak to kids and, and adults, frankly, for that matter. I was going to say adults, too, because our kids need it, and you can see it in the classroom. You can. But think about your PLCs. Think about your team's leaders. Think about your, your whole staff, not just your teachers, but your custodians, your nutrition staff, your paras. When you walk into a building, if you have a building, you can feel its mojo. You really mm-hmm. can. And if there's one of kindness and love and high expectations – or is it one of negativity and anger? Yeah. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Okay, your homework, and you have to choose it, um, is to pick two exercises, things that make you smile to prime your brain. We want you to pick two things that make you smile. Now, this could be from one of the seven things we talked about. Or you might just have something that makes you smile that we want you to bring to the forefront and to really think about when you become negative. When you feel that stress, when you feel the overwhelm, what can you come up with two things that will be your go-tos to prime your brain for happiness? Prime it. Have a great week. We are uh, fake podcasters, real educators, hoping to make education great again. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, please remember to give us a rating and a comment. We we will read them. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, because if I'm having technical difficulties getting <laughs> stuff up on Google, I will post the challenge there as well. Thanks, and have a great week.